all you boils and ghouls out there, and welcome to Wii Universe. This is the show where we are playing every single game in the Wii U catalog in random order. Sometimes we group them, sometimes I group them under the erroneous assumption that these are both Nickelodeon properties. But, you know, hey, nobody's batting a thousand here. Uh, is the thousand a good one? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know sports. Thousand's a good one. I can, I oh, can attest to this. Perfect. I mean, it seems like a big number. Like if someone were to say, hey, do you want a thousand dollars? I'd be like, that sounds good. Yeah, you, you, know, you, so, you wouldn't yeah. fight him. And, no, I would not. You know, listeners, if you're coming to this podcast, which is uh, called We Universe, by the way, and I'm Woody Siskowski. If you're, hi. Yeah, yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> good to finally be here. Um, <laughs> if you're coming to this podcast looking for factual information, might I recommend any other podcast? Yeah. It's, you know, we do okay. I mean, I don't I don't uh, maliciously make stuff up. Sure. But, you know, hey, hey, sometimes, sometimes things slip through the cracks. But let's you know. say that you are writing, like, a thesis statement for your master's on Monsters High. Sure. You know, I would not list this as a primary source. A secondary source, maybe. Maybe. But uh, uh, I would also consider uh, choosing a different thesis. You know, I don't know how far that one's going to take you because anything you're going to say about Monster High, you can kind of also say about Barbie, I think, you know, and Barbie's probably going to be more culturally is impactful. Is Barbie so. a merwoman, Steve? Is Barbie a occasionally a Cleopatra? Sometimes she's a doctor. Famed Sometimes she's a lawyer. Cleopatra. Uh, famed monster Cleopatra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm not trying to tell anybody in academia what to do with their lives. But, you know, maybe just consider a different field of study than uh, a fairly recent line of fashion dolls. Maybe uh, maybe Ben 10. Maybe that's maybe, maybe ben that's 10. the direction to take it. Maybe you can finally, you know, determine how many of the 10, uh, you know, you can count them all out. You can you can rank them. Mm -hmm. But uh, but also that's a misnomer because there's so much more than 10. That, that will have to be a podcast for another time. That will have to be one. But today, as you may have guessed, we are talking about two games based on the show Ben 10 and two games based on Monster High, which is a line of fashion dolls turned into a multimedia conglomerate thing. Lots of webisodes, lots of. TV, movies, lots of different things associated with Monster High. And I think really the only thing that's kind of unifying these two uh, properties is that uh, they both exist in this space that uh, completely eludes me. As an older <laughs> man, uh, these were completely off my radar, and I have absolutely no association or attachment to either of these. Uh, I, I, would you say that's true for you as well, or were you a big bed and teniac? Um, that no, I was a big Monster High. I got, I would get Monster High every evening. Um, <laughs> so do I. Yeah, uh, I think that they, yes, both exist off of my cultural radar. The difference is, I can put myself in the place of a ten-year-old boy who would sure. really be into Ben 10. I unfortunately do not have the levels of empathy and understanding to put myself in the place of any person who would really enjoy Monster High. And what's tough is I don't know if that's just, you know, based on my gender identity, my particular tastes, my age, whatever, or if it is just a very low quality product that <laughs> I think that's more what I'm bumping into. I can actually get on board with the idea of kind of a, a, a monster themed kind of goth spin on the traditional Barbie doll. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just can't get on board with these terrible puns and this bad writing. Uh, you know, that's kind of a bigger problem for me that I can't really get past. 
before we dig into what is sure to be four of the highest quality games that we've ever played on this show, uh, what else are you playing right now? Well, that is a good segue in terms of high quality games that we have played on this show. Um, I was looking for something new to bite into, and I remembered how much fun we had playing SteamWorld Heist. And oh, yeah. so I have been playing a pretty decent amount of SteamWorld Heist, and I'm happy to report that game is totally rad. Um, it really does scratch that same satisfying tactical itch as something like XCOM, but it is uh, the interface is generally cleaner and uh, more forgiving, and it's just very charming. And uh, it it really captures what I like about XCOM, which is sort of customizing your squad's loadout and sort of giving a diverse team so that you can conquer any kind of challenges. It also has a tremendously satisfying mechanic where um, a lot of your bullets ricochet and you can get like a little laser sight that will show you where your bullet's going to go. And then one of the characters also has the ability to pierce enemies. So you can arrange these incredibly ornate shots where you shoot through like four different enemies and ricochet off the wall and hit an explosive barrel. That is incredibly satisfying. And I'm actually right there with you. After we did that episode, I downloaded that onto my phone and just kept playing it. I beat the whole game and it's a delight. Oh, it's on a phone as well. It is. It is on uh, the iPhone. That's actually a pretty great way to play it. Uh, and yeah, that that's a tremendous game. I really enjoyed that. It's a it's small scale, but really high quality. I yeah. enjoy that one. I like shooting their hats off too. Yeah, it, it's really you can fun. Shoot off their hats and then, and then take collect their hats. them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good one to go back to. Yeah. Uh, I I've also been playing a couple of mobile games. I recently signed up for the Apple Arcade uh, app because it turns out it's cheaper with all the different things I had going on to bundle it all together. It's like, hey, why not? Apple Arcade. So the weird thing I played uh, as kind of a, you know, ironic sort of detached thing. I'm like, all right, let's check out what this game is. Uh, so I played a game called Warped Kart Racers. If you're not familiar okay. with this. This is a Mario Kart clone starring a very random selection of, I think, all Fox-owned animation properties. So the four properties are Family Guy, American Dad, Solar Opposites, and King of the Hill. Interesting. Very random selection. And the, the only reason I'm even mentioning this at all is because... This is kind of a better Mario Kart game than the mobile Mario Kart game. <laughs> um, weirdly, this feels a lot like Mario Kart 8 to the point where, like, you know, it feels like the serial numbers have just sort of been filed off on it and it's just basically Mario Kart. But it plays better than the Mario Kart World Tour one that's on mobile that's like through through actual Nintendo. Whoa. Uh, so, I mean, if you want a good Mario Kart fix, Weirdly, I would kind of recommend Warped Kart Racers. Uh, I mean, I don't really care particularly about any of these properties except for King of the Hill. But, hey, it's pretty fun to drive around in that little lawnmower and uh, crash into people and hear voice clips from King of the Hill. So so I've been playing a bit of that. That's, uh, um, that's always like a real risk to like download some kart racer based on uh, some sort of mm, a couple of those second tier properties. Yeah, yeah, I would say pretty pretty mediocre properties across the board, except for King of the Hill again, which is uh, great. But I've also been uh, revisiting uh, a game I've played a few times, but I've never beaten, and it's one of those games I've never really felt compelled to beat because the experience is kind of enough. Uh, but this time I think I'm going to try and play all the way through it, and that is The Outer Wilds, uh, oh, yeah. which we have 
talked about many times. Uh, every time I boot that game up, I'm just like, God damn, this is just a masterpiece. This is uh, this this gives you such a sense of discovery and exploration. We did a whole episode with uh, one of our Patreon guests uh, a year or two ago, quite a while back now at this point. But uh, I'm still just holding a torch for this game. I'm absolutely loving it, and uh, there's still so much that I haven't discovered that I get to dig do into. You, so. Do you start fresh each time, or do you... I started fresh this time uh, just because I'm, I'm now playing it on the PS5, which is it's still my the PS4 version. They didn't upgrade it for PS5 or anything, but my save game didn't transfer over. Oh, I see. Which is fine, which is fine, because, uh, you know, the game is all about rebirth and starting over and uh running through these different cycles but it it becomes very very satisfying as you just start to dig around and see what's going to happen and see how this universe changes and uh i just love that game yeah Yeah. someday i will i will uh make the effort to get my brain in gear and and cut through it because i i also it's a really really impressive game but definitely requires a certain headspace it definitely does, you know, and if, if you are, you know, like I said, if you I'm I'm trying to roll credits on it this time, but I've never really felt compelled to before because I, I none of the mysteries resolve with any kind of huge impact. You know, it's more just for your own edification. It's it's finding out what happened. You know, there aren't any villains or anything in this game that you need to worry about. And there's not necessarily an overarching plot. It's just kind of lots of little snippets and slice of life stuff. I think that game, uh, though, also has some sort of very weird and highly regarded uh, cool DLC that yes. you, you can only sort of access once you've beaten the game. Yes, and I am curious to see what, what's going on with that. So, yeah, yeah definitely uh, Outer Wilds. I've, I've recommended it before. I recommend it again. It's an excellent game. Uh, well, let's get to talking about these games today. Firstly, an apology. Of course, last time I specified that these are Nickelodeon shows, but Ben 10 is actually a Cartoon Network show. So I have set up a ceremonial pyre outside. I'm going to jump in it just as soon as we're done with this recording. Great. Just for, for my sincere apologies. Perfect. And, uh, and for listeners closer to the West Coast, I've um, set up a ceremonial effigy slash pinata um, outside <laughs> of my window, and we can come over and hit it with pitchforks. Oh, man. I wonder what kind of candy my uh, effigy would be full of, my effigy pinata. Well, we're angry at you, so it's full of uh, salted licorice. (laughs) Oh, gross. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a a good choice for something I would hate. All right. Let's talk about our first game today. That is called Ben 10 Omniverse. It was released November 18th, 2012, making it a launch game. It was developed by Vicious Cycle Software, published by D3 Publisher, and it was also released on PS3, 360, Wii, DS, and 3DS. All right, so let's talk about Ben 10. Ben 10 uh, completely missed me. See, again, uh, I am old. Uh, but for the younger generation, this is kind of like, sort of like their Power Rangers, I would almost say, because similar to Power Rangers, it like lasted a lot longer than people realized, and it kind of keeps getting new iterations every couple of years. So like there are several spin-off series of Ben 10 uh, that just kind of keeps this sort of sci-fi action itch going. Um, it, it also um, has that very appealing premise of regular teen gets you know superpowers or gets dragged into a giant conflict. Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. If there's one thing teens, teens love, love being dragged into conflict. Uh, yep. If there's anything like me, <laughs> I'm like, please drag me into conflict. Please put me in a situation where my physical strength needs to be on display. Yep. I love that concept. 
Uh, so this series was uh, created by a collective of four uh, comic book artists who called themselves Man of Action. Uh, most of them worked on X-Men comics for a while, which uh, incidentally, as a little side project, I'm trying to read every single X-Men comic in order right now. And I'm still in the 60s, so it's going to be taking me quite a while, but I'm having fun. Okay, a couple questions on that yeah. since you just dropped it as an aside. Yes. First off, is there an easy way to read every X-Men comic? Like There is. Uh, if you get the Marvel Unlimited app, it's like a, kind of $9 a month, and you can have access to pretty much every Marvel comic book. Ever printed? Ever printed. Wow, yeah. that's very cool. I'm, I'm sure there are some that aren't in there, but uh, for my purposes, they're all, they all seem to be here. Okay, second question. Are you only reading the ones that are called X-Men as the name of the comic book? No, like, I'm going to branch out. I'm going to branch out to X-Force and to Excalibur and all of those. I want to get the full picture as much as I can. So it's going to take me a very long time. There uh, must, there's a lot of content There must to be literally through. thousands, right? Like, oh, yeah. Okay. It's going to be a long-term project. But uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how the medium evolves. Like, I'm still in the 60s, so it's still very, like... Uh, oh, gee whiz, like it all. Oh, bang, pow. Everybody just kind of loudly describing what they're doing. And then the artist kind of trying to draw that, you know, so it's like, thank goodness, my wings provided a shield from that bullet. Oh, and then they sure, have to draw, yeah. <laughs> you know, the wings providing a shield for the bullet. Uh, but I'm excited to see kind of how it evolves over time. That's sort of my goal with this project. We'll check in on this project later. Absolutely. Uh, and also, I just like X-Men. So Either way, all of these guys wrote on X-Men comics, and uh, they worked on their concept for more than three years before they finally sold their pitch to Cartoon Network. So the basic concept of this show is that uh, there's a young kid named Ben Tennyson who discovers that he's actually the descendant of Alfred Lord okay. Tennyson, and he needs to find the secret light brigade in order to gain the alien powers contained therein. Uh, no, that's not true. Yeah, you beat, you beat me to that joke. <laughs> you, you were going to make a Alfred Lord Tennyson joke as well? I was, See, actually. Yeah, this is why we're friends, yeah. Uh, so this is actually about a kid uh, who discovers an alien artifact called the Omnitrix, which is a watch-like device that contains the energies of 10 different alien life forms. And when he presses the button on the Omnitrix, he becomes one of these 10 aliens, essentially. Um, it's, a very, so, it's a very kind of Green Lantern-y vibe to me. Yeah, very, very. Um, just, including a lot of the green and that kind of lantern shape to the Omnitrix. Yeah, just because it's like, alright, he inherits some power ring and there's sort of a lot of co weird cosmic aliens in the design. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't hate this as an idea. I think no. it's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun way of, like, um, mixing Power Rangers and Pokemon in an interesting way. But I think, you know, they start off with only these 10 life forms uh, and he gets caught up in this intergalactic conflict where they need to fight against an evil villain uh, named Vilgax, which is a good name for a villain because villain is kind of in there already. It's also tough. Plus Gax. Like, yeah, plus Gax, the, the most evil sort of right next to Gak. Like, it's like Gak yeah. that's slightly more wicked. And slightly next to Gax, who is, uh, as we all know, currently living in Boy George's pants. <laughs> that's right. Um, it's also tough to get named Vilgax and like, just get a very standard job. Like, hello, yeah. I am your accountant in Vilgax. I'm here to- You got help. rejected from Chipotle like 10 times. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this show debuted in 2005 and it was kind of a slow growing hit. Uh, I think 
the nature of this premise is I is extremely toyetic. Like this is kind of built to sell toys. Sure. And that is kind of where this became a powerhouse. This was very big with action figures and video games and things like that. It also is a is a premise that works very well for a video game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and similar to like Harry Potter or The Last Airbender, things like that, this is a series where the character grows and ages as the series goes on. So it does get a little darker in tone as the show moves on, uh, which is something I can appreciate. Um, so yeah, and it, we did get kind of spin-off series. So like the original Ben 10 only lasted two years and then it got revived as Ben 10 Alien Force. Then it became Ben 10 Ultimate Alien. And then finally Ben 10 Omniverse, which we'll be talking about today. And there oh, were also okay. a couple of uh, made-for-TV movies that were in there as well. So this would have come fairly late in the Ben 10 life cycle. Yeah, this was fairly late. Um, Omniverse weirdly uh, just turned 10 this week. Uh, so, you know, in keeping up the theme of everything being 10. Uh, also, it should be noted that Ben 10 was also 10 years old at the beginning of the show. So they really hit that hard. Sure. Um, so um, the hook of Omniverse is that there are basically split timelines. So half of the series takes place when Ben is 16, and the other half takes place when Ben is 11, so just a year after the events of the first game, or the first series. Uh, and so the, the action kind of cuts back and forth between those two timelines, so we get to see how he's grown and changed. I see, I see. Um, and so uh, this was the longest-running and most popular iteration of this series, so it had 80 episodes, and it introduced a whole bunch of new alien monsters that's also the thing to note. Like, they started off with, like, all right, this little wrist device thing has a spirit of 10 different aliens. And I think they realized that's kind of limiting if you want to make a bunch of toys. You know, <laughs> if you only have, like, if there were only 10 Pokemon, like, I don't think the Pokemon would have endured as much as it did. That's you know, true. So, so they did start gradually uh, expanding on the roster, although they never really went nuts. Like, there's not, like, hundreds and hundreds of aliens for them to choose from. There's, like, 20-something. Um, I liked pretty consistent like i i like the alien designs in these games yeah i think that they all have a distinct identity and you can kind of tell how they will feel to move um and what their ability sets will be just by looking at them uh which i think works very well they all they all feel different enough and um like their own their own creation as opposed to just an amalgam of some already existing thing yeah, I mean, and I like that they had some goofy names. I like that there's a, a big ape named Shock Squatch, yeah. you know? That's great. That's a great name for a creature. Well, especially um, so, for a big ape that shoots lightning. I mean, what else do you need to know? That kind of tells you everything you need. Uh, so unsurprisingly, there have been a lot of games based on this series. The two that we're talking about today are actually the 8th and ninth out of 10 uh, to date. So oh, they, they're, made, they're, they made 10 Ben 10 games also. They made 10 Ben 10s. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't put that. I do wonder if they just intentionally stopped there. They're just like, sorry, guys, <laughs> we're not doing better than this. Yeah, they're like, all right, for the artistic bit, we're going to we're going to cut here. We don't want more money. We just we what matters is the art matters yeah. is the premise of ending on 10. And, you know, like, like I said, this, this show missed me entirely. I was already way too old for it before I, by the time this came out. So like, you know, I don't really have any kind of attachment to it, but this show does still have a lot of hardcore fans and there has been a live action adaptation kind of in some form of development hell for nearly a decade now. So we may not see the, this is, may not be the last we ever see of this franchise. Um, there could be much more. I mean, yeah, that live action adaptation just, what's the point you know yeah it, it feels like 
it's not going to satisfy people who are hardcore about the franchise and it's not going to bring new people in. It just seems no, like it'll a waste be, of time and money. <laughs> it'll be a little baffling, but hey, you never know. You never know. Uh, so the plot of this game, uh, Ben's Omnitrix goes haywire and opens a rift in time that sends his partner, uh, a guy named Rook Blanco, who's kind of like a generic. He looks kind of like a Protoss or like yeah. a... Uh, uh, something from Mass Effect, I guess. Yep, He's kind of a, a stoic comparison. alien warrior type. Yep. Uh, he gets sent back in time five years where he encounters Ben's younger self. And uh, pretty soon they need to team up to fight an alien villain named Malware. <laughs> and uh, so the action splits back and forth in time like it does in the show between 16-year-old Ben and 11-year-old Ben. And Rook is kind of the connective tissue between those two uh, things. So, you know... Plot is pretty basic. Uh, I, I imagine this would be much more satisfying for people who've seen the show and know who these characters are. Um, I will say, I don't think that this game does a great job at showing the personality from the show. Not like really. The um, different aliens that you turn into give little quips and things like this, but you have, I couldn't tell, like, he just looks like a jimmy buffett fan in a an hawaiian shirt who's kind of like your uh headmaster who like is like all right i'm going to activate the training module type of vibe um and there's just very little personality in any of the main dialogue and so it it doesn't feel like if you were really excited about the ben 10 universe that this would deliver on like it's not a fresh story or an exciting take on that no, not really. I mean, you get pretty minimal amounts of exposition, which is kind of fine because this is essentially just like a beat 'em up. You know, yeah. this is uh, uh, you know, it, it is a, a storied tradition going back to the NES days. If you want to make a quick and easy cash in based on your media property, crank out a beat 'em up. You know, <laughs> they're they're apparently pretty easy to program, and you don't need to put a whole lot of thought into it. Um, there are a couple of hooks here that I think are actually a little interesting. Yeah, um, I will say, like, mechanically, this game is really complicated. And I think that that may just be that I was had sort of low expectations on its level of ambition. Yeah. But it kind of, like, puts a ton of stuff on your plate right at the beginning. Because your first level is just a training level. And you have about four or five different forms you can turn into right away. Yeah. Um, all of which have slightly different move sets. Um, there's a light attack, a heavy attack, and um, you can hold R to like shoot a projectile. Mm -hmm. But then you get into specific puzzles that require like you to turn into a certain form. Um, yeah, like you've got a guy you'll turn into like one called Wild Mutt who can uh, uh, find little hidden footprints or, or help you solve puzzles or there's another one that has a grappling hook and another one that helps you climb certain surfaces. And one that like rolls into a morph ball, which you can use to activate switches. Oh, yeah, that guy was fun. Um, I, I was just really surprised at how intricate some of these like controls and move variety seem like it was very hard to keep it all in my mind. Yeah, um, there was a lot of like whole it was like some characters you had to hold R and press X for their special power and other people it was like hold R and press B to use this power. And it all kind of just rolled off of my brain a little bit. Yeah, um, it I, I, I was glad that it was all there. I was just it did give me the sense that like, OK, they actually put some real effort into this more than like, you know, the SpongeBob game we played. 
Exactly. Yeah, there was a little bit more energy put into this, uh, which I appreciated. I mean, like, you know, in general, I found this one pretty inoffensive. Like, it's... uh, Mechanically, it all works. Uh, I didn't really suffer any significant issues with the gameplay. Uh, I I think I just got pretty bored with the constant, like, light attack, heavy attack, light attack, heavy attack. Like, you're not really mixing it up that much. And once you unlock all the different creatures, I think there are 13 different creatures here. And you're going to unlock them all pretty quickly just by, like, moving through the level. Okay. Um, You do have the ability to gain XP and uh, power up individual monsters, but it does kind of make things a little unbalanced. Like, really, the smart strategy is just to power up Ben, right? Because kind of the, the mechanic here is that you play as Ben and you can turn into any one of these four monsters at a time by pressing on the D-pad. And you can change the map layout of that D-pad at any time you want and, and change them out. But uh, you can turn into one of these monsters. You have a little meter that will run down uh, when you're fighting. This game so has a once... bunch of meters. There's like that Lots of middle meters. power meter. And then I couldn't tell which one was my actual health. And uh, yeah, it, it was a little vague. It, it's so always a testament to the lack of difficulty in a game when you can't even figure out where your health is displayed. Yet you <laughs> never die. Yeah, 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 that's very true. Because, well, and every character has their own health bar, too. So like, oh, really? If you, if you're if you're playing as like forearm, for example, and your health runs out, like you just turn back into Ben, who still has the full. Uh, I got the impression health. that only Ben, you could only die as Ben. Like your punishment. Yeah, is, he's he's the only one that permanently die. Yeah, yeah. Right, you just lose the ability to transform into a creature for a little bit, and then you have to run around and fight as Ben, who I mean doesn't seem all that much weaker than any Not of the other really. guys. That was kind of the the issue. I'm like, he does not feel significantly like stronger or weaker than any of the monster characters. And it's also true when you're playing as 11-year-old Ben, who you think would be a little bit weaker than 16-year-old Ben. And it's kind of about the same. Yeah, I Uh, think that this game is really just... The problem with it is it's a beat-em-up where the combat is unsatisfying. Like, all of the bells and whistles that are around this, I think, are pretty good good like i like that there's a uh computerized player rook who just goes with you the whole time and it looks like it has drop in drop out two player Uh like i think this would be a mildly amusing game to play with a second person just because like it kind of keeps moving and the goals are pretty clear and like most of the gameplay is fairly intuitive um but like once you solve a puzzle where you turn into this creature um, and then you move on to the next area, it just kind of gates you off and you have to fight, you know, two or three waves of enemies. And that's just consistently boring. That was my big problem. Yeah, it just didn't feel very engaged. The core gameplay just doesn't feel very engaging. Um, but I do. Yeah. But like you said, I, I do appreciate uh, some of the more ambitious elements here. I like the switching between monsters like that feels pretty good. And like you said, they all feel pretty different they have their own skill sets and uh you know it's it's pretty satisfying to switch between them i did find it annoying that like while the game gives you the opportunity to map which monster you're going to use onto the d-pad it will also sometimes just switch it for you automatically Mm. like because it's like all right in this section you need to be wild mutt so we're just going to switch out your map real quick 
And uh, this is now like your right button, you know, and uh, uh, that it gets a little confusing if you have it in your head of like which character is which. I was also very confused because like they're like, all right, hold the control pad to bring up the menu and change your mapping. And yeah. so I would do that and the game just froze and I'm like, what's going on? And then I eventually realized that it was being displayed on the game pad below me. Yeah. But it yeah. gives you no indication that that's the case. It just looks I, like I the, the game same is thing. frozen. Yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. I'm just like, what did I, did I break it? And then you look down, there's like a kind of small grid. Like it's smaller than it needs to be grid on the gamepad. Uh, that makes it a little difficult it's a, to see. It's a very shoe shoehorned in feature because mostly like the gamepad just displays sort of a green nothing background. Yeah. it's. It, I mean, it, it's definitely a symptom of you can tell that, you know, this game was not designed for the Wii U and they just sort of needed to throw some feature in there, but it doesn't help anything. Yeah. You know, overall, this one is fun. We've definitely played worse, uh, but it's it's not anything I'll ever feel compelled to reach for again. Yeah, and it, which is always kind of a bummer because there could have been, there are some properties, like media properties, where you're like, all right, that just does not lend itself to a very good game <laughs> yeah. um, that they yeah, have yeah. tried to make games of. Um, whereas this, I'm like, all right, there could easily... There could be a great Ben 10 game because this ability to transform to different forms at will could really lend itself to like some ornate combo system where you like um, transform to a character in mid combo. You like juggle someone up in the air and then you turn into forearms and smash them down to the ground. I guess what I'm saying is when are they going to put Ben 10 in the next Mortal Kombat? exactly That's... oh man forearms versus goro come on come <laughs> yeah, exactly on. What, what'll happen there all right so while while this game was uh you know pretty pretty inoffensive but basically okay i think ben 10 omniverse 2 took things in a bit of a different direction for <laughs> me this was released november 9th 2013 developed by high voltage software and published by d3 publisher and it was also released on ps3 360 wii and 3ds the one little interesting thing that this game has going for it uh is that it's compatible with the Ben 10 OmniLink, which is a toy that you strap to your wrist, kind of looks like an Omnitrix. And the interactions here are kind of basic, but it does, this toy was designed to interact with a couple of different like multimedia Ben 10 properties. So you like, you can, you can interact with a DVD and you can interact with the video game as well. Interesting. Basically you press the button on your wrist and depending on which monster you're currently controlling, you'll hear an audio clip of that monster coming through your wrist. Cute. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty basic as far as like peripherals go, but it is interesting that it's kind of designed to work with multiple platforms, you know, so yep. the same thing will happen if you're watching a DVD of it. Um, so yeah, well, the first game here was kind of dull, but pretty harmless. Uh, I think this game is actively very bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it took me a second to process that in my brain because I had been jumping around and I had played one of the Monster High games before this one, but after the first Ben 10. Yeah. And I'm like, am I just sort of being worn down by having to play a bunch of bad games in a row and they just feel progressively worse? Um, and then eventually I got to the point, I'm like, oh no, this game just is worse. It's like but, significantly worse, which is really weird because they could have just done the same thing that the last game did and just tried to refine some of the gameplay. But uh, that's the thing uh, is this gameplay. game does sort of do the last thing, the, the thing that the last game did and streamlines some of the confusion in the gameplay, but it just feels bad. 
Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's really bizarre, and it's one of those things. Like on paper, like it sounds like they're making some interesting improvements here. Like, so for example, like uh, rather than giving you this huge suite of monsters to choose from, you have three available at a time, and they're separated into like heavy, medium, and light yep. weight classes, and they're all going to have different skills based on which one you select. Uh, you no longer have a special attack. Now it's just uh, their own special like uh, defense move, which is pretty slow and clunky to use and also kind of unnecessary because dodging is more effective. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the biggest new addition here is like kind of a behind the back sort of temple run style uh, uh, running se sequences where you're just kind of going down corridors and you need to like move from lane to lane to collect coins and dodge obstacles. And, like and you that. have to switch alien types here like, because you'll come to a big chasm and they're like, all right, switch to the light type so you can jump over the chasm or yeah. a wall you have to break through. So you switch to heavy type to bash through it. And like in in theory, that's kind of an interesting way to evolve the temple run sort of gameplay, you know, adding a little bit of strategy to it, a little bit of quick thinking like, OK, I'm coming up on a red obstacle. I can break through this. If I'm a heavy guy, I got to switch to the heavy guy. The problem is the switching mechanic doesn't work. <laughs> I, I kept trying to jam on that switch button and it always happens too slow. The obstacles come at you too fast to react and the game does not keep up with you. So you will just end up hitting that obstacle, which will leave you completely uh, drained of health by the time you get to the combat section mm. that's inevitably at the end of every one of these running sections. And the combat here is also significantly worse. And right. I don't really understand why, because basically um, in this one, every time you take a hit, you get knocked back a little bit, kind of like mm. Ninja Gaiden, you know, you, sure. get, you get hit, you get knocked back and characters will gang up on you. So you'll be surrounded by like four guys who are all shooting you <laughs> and you're not going to be able to move. And it's like, why did they need to make this game this hard? Uh, but also like just, just the defense mechanics and the combat mechanics are so sluggish that you can't really react even if they don't have guns on you. Even if you're taking them on one at a time, you're reacting very slowly. It is it is just so bizarre that it, to you assume that like this game doesn't look significantly better than the first one. So you assume no. they would just take the first engine and the way those characters and enemies interact and kind of add a couple new features here. But like the way the characters interact just feels so much worse. Like even when you're playing, I mostly played as the forearmed alien because he could smack smack dudes hard. He was the um, best. Yeah. But like in the first game, he his combos like they're all very simple, but they flow pretty nicely. Like he'll knock an enemy into the sky and then bash him down. Here, sure. like there was no sense of the moves linking into one another. No. And it's like, why don't you just use the first? the the bits of code from the first game in terms of the way these characters interacted and it, it just felt very odd and lifeless yeah it, it's just very low energy very unresponsive like i was replaying just the opening segment over and over again because i kept getting to the end of the running segment i'd be all beat up from missing all of these different uh obstacles and then i would just immediately die you know and so you're you're not getting very far the check mark the checkpoints are not very generous you know, they're pretty spread out. So you're going to lose a lot of ground every time you die. And I just pretty immediately gave up. I'm just pretty much like, all right, yep, you know what? This game doesn't want me to play it. I'm not going to play it. Yep. Have it your way, game. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, a, a bizarre drop in quality considering the first game wasn't like a masterpiece by any stretch. But it, like it just kind of is a significantly worse game. Yeah, and it, it, the first game was 
set up a lot of things that would be pretty easy to build upon. Totally. Um, like, I think that if that first game just had sort of more satisfying combat and maybe felt a little more cinematic, like, it could be something you'd be pretty happy to play. And yeah. so the second game had that opportunity to fill, and it was clear that they were not interested in that. Yeah, yeah. And they just, they, they really just kind of biffed the execution on that. Uh, not a fan. Bad game. Yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'm not, I'm not going to defend it. Speaking of, um, let's move on to our next couple of games here. And uh, the first one is Monster High 13 Wishes. This was released October 29th, 2013, developed by Game Machine Studios, published oh. by Little Orbit. And this was also released on Wii, DS, and 3DS. This game came out first. Okay, I played these in the wrong order. Oh, that's all good. That's yeah, all no, good. that's fine. But yeah, interesting. This, these are a very interesting duo of game based on the same property. Yes. Because yeah. they exist on such opposite ends of like the spectrum of familiarity. Yeah. Like this game, I assumed was the second one. Because right. Because this game starts with one of the most, bizarre inexplicable hilarious cutscenes, where this character that you've never met like this being me like to be clear neither steve nor i are know much about monster high not a but, whole like, lot this character's like okay i'm a student at monster high and then this this uh this classmate got a genie, but then the genie turned everyone evil and granted her wishes. And you're like, whoa, what the hell's going on, game? Yeah. Like, it just comes out so fast. Like, you know all of these characters. And it seems to be, like, explaining an entire, like, narrative. It's like one of those uh, uh, stories from 3,000 Years of Longing, but, like, condensed into, like, two minutes at the start of the game. Right, yeah, and without like the you know naked fat lady orgies, so you know, yeah, <laughs> sure. Weird well, you movie. didn't get to the, you didn't get to that one yet. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a later level. That's a later level. That <laughs> that happens later. Though I will say, like, you're probably not seeing a lot of naked fat ladies in Monster High because all of these characters, which I guess makes sense based on a toy line, uncomfortably thin. Like, yeah, which is a, a common complaint. Let's talk about Monster High a little bit. So. Uh, this series did start life as a line of fashion dolls, and it's kind of expanded into uh, other media over time. So this was designed by a guy named Garrett Sanders, who was working at Mattel in 2007. And he kind of started noticing just from hanging out with his nieces that young girls were moving away from like pink and frilly and moving more towards kind of like edgy and goth fashions. Okay. You know, when they were shopping, they wanted something a little harder edge and a little cooler. And so uh, Mattel had already trademarked the name Monster High, but they didn't have anything they were doing with it. They're just like, oh, this name sounds good. Let's just hold <laughs> on to that. And so he's like, all right, this fits. This works. Uh, and so he adapted the concept to that. And so the concept is pretty simple. It's a group of girls that are the daughters of famous monsters, basically usually just universal monsters, but not using the universal monsters license. So it's Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, stuff like that. Uh, they attend a monsters-only high school, and uh, this concept kind of allowed the creators to go in slightly more creative directions than you can with just Barbie, you know? Because Barbie, she has a lot of career changes, but she's also, she's meant to be a little more grounded, you know? She's not going to be, like, using magic or spells or things like that. So in this reality in which these characters all go to Monster High, 
Is the implication that like they're in some other dimension or that do humans not exist or do like they just segregate the quote unquote monsters into their own high school? It is unclear from these games because we never see beyond like the monster realm. Like okay. you have to assume that there is a whole school for monsters. There probably is like a school for humans or something like that. But I don't I don't know if they go into this dynamic in the show at all. But, uh, you know, that that's not something that we're encountering in these games. It's also a little odd, like is I, I and I'm sure that this is is like the idea of the different monsters like and their sort of family histories and their origins of like, okay, are the wolf, the Wolfman origins like different than the Frankenstein or origins. And like one of the characters are like being a mummy has its advantages. And it's like, okay, are these, what are they? <laughs> yeah. Are these things stand in for race or something like that? What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, they, they don't probe too deeply into that. And I guess I'm, I'm pretty grateful considering the very simplistic level of the writing here, but you know, sure. I don't think I need it, but we have this... to we have to hope that like the show um, is of a higher quality writing than these games. I mean, I have no idea, Oof. but I don't think they are judging from uh, feedback that I've heard and some of the little clips that I've watched. I think this is kind of about the level we expect. Basically, if you want to understand the sense of humor of this series is that somebody somewhere realized that the word girl sounds a lot like the word ghoul. Yeah. And that just kind of opened it up for them. They're just going ham on that one. Like, I, I think that instead of boys and ghouls, they're called boys and girls. They're called ghouls and monsters, uh, which is uh, yikes. hilarious. But and either it, way, it, instead of awesome, they say clawsome because claw, yeah. claws are kind of scary. I Fan guess. Fantastic is, yeah. is said many times. Yeah. Uh, but this series was a big hit. Uh, there have been more than 750 different dolls released since 2010. And some of those early run ones have become very collect coveted collector's items that are worth kind of a lot of money. Uh, the line was briefly discontinued in 2016 after sales flagged a little bit, but it was brought back two years later with a new kind of premium line of toys. And this is expanding beyond kind of just the boilerplate monster concept to include like specific movie references. Like there's a, there's a Monster High doll based on Pennywise and one based on mm. Jack Torrance and one based on like Gremlins, you know, so oh, kids love The Shining. Like, kids love The Shining. Man, they are always they're just shining all day. And I, I'm actually looking here right now. Um, there's an article on, you know, beloved news source Yahoo Life. Oh, yeah. That, um, posted yesterday. Mattel's relaunch of Monster High dolls includes diverse races, body shapes and gender identities. Um, that's good I'm, I'm glad they're moving in that direction but, that was like like with barbie that was a regular complaint about this series is that the characters are too thin they're too focused on just like boys and dating and stuff like that and uh they have unrealistic body types and but also just to show like it's still going it's still a brand they think that people will buy it is still a brand this this uh originally spun off as a web series in 2010 to kind of promote the dolls that became very popular, so they started airing made-for-TV movies on Nickelodeon, uh, and that became kind of like a yearly uh, Halloween staple. And now we're about to get a brand-new live-action Monster High movie on Paramount+. Plus. That's coming out like in three weeks or something like that. And then there's going to be a new CGI animated series on the same network coming out later in October. Goodness so me. So the brand is still alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, go figure. And also it just... We kind of reached self-fulfilling prophecy status earlier this year because uh, they just launched a new line of exclusive clothing at Hot Topic based on the Monster High series. So, sure. self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Um, uh, the, the design of the characters is, I mean, I'm not here to, to question, like, clearly they found a design that appeals to people and that they want to buy, but, like, it really looks bad in these games. It's it looks very bad. Really, uh, very I, visually unappealing. This suffers of the same problem as uh, the Bratz line a couple years before this, because uh, those familiar with Bratz know that these are, they're very petite. They're very like kind of hyper uh, sexualized in a weird way. And uh, they're just kind of obsessed with fashion and boys. And and that's kind of the, the thing that's being carried over into this. Like despite having all the trappings of like monsters and ghouls and stuff like that, it doesn't, it's still kind of the same song and dance. But like their design is just, they're, they're all pretty boring looking. Cause even though they're quote unquote, like designed off of different monsters, they all, I mean, they all literally have the same body type. And I'm not saying that to like, as, as a political message, I just no. mean that like, they're very boring to look at because the one that's based on a werewolf just has a tail. And yeah. the one that's based on a, you know, a sea monster has some fins on their, on their leg. It, yeah. It's just, you want something to sort of lean into this premise of like, oh, this, this is full of weird, different, like, creatures and characters um you wish that they looked weirder like that there was just a more visually interesting design to run around it yeah because the mandate was clearly just like all right these these need to still be conventionally attractive like these need to be riverdale level hotties all the time you know <laughs> and like that it, it, that just makes for a boring game i think you know i think it just makes for a boring world yeah exactly and so this game is so unbelievably cheap feeling. It's like, really bizarre. So this is based directly on one of the made-for-TV movies, and okay. that's where all the plot is coming from. Got I it. think the next game is an original concept. But like, what what would you even say is the like genre of this game? Like, I was thinking it's kind of a platformer. Oh, it's but a 3D no, platformer. But there are no platforms. There's no. There's almost no combat. There's almost okay, nothing. It's so kind of just like a coin collecting simulator. How far did you get in this game? Not very. Not okay. very. I got pretty bored. You, oh, man. So this game is crazy. They display that weirdo cutscene at the start, and then it just kind of opens up, and you play as sort of the Frankenstein girl who is locked into her locker and is thus kept safe from uh, having all the students got turned. All the students got, like, sucked into the magic lamp. Yeah. And so now you're sort of the last one around. <laughs> And you have to wander around this school and like the game gives you absolutely no indication of where to go. No. Um, and like I, I, I saw another student down at the bottom and the students like, hey, have you seen Lizzie or whatever? And like that was the only piece of dialogue. And yeah. like I, I was like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do, game? Like, tell me, have me interact with this character. And eventually you go up to where the genie was before and you communicate with this kind of like rift in time and space and then you're able to go in the lamp which takes you to the desert world yeah so this is this to me i mean i did get a little nostalgic playing this game because it does feel like it harkens back to like it was like the people who designed this the last game that they played was super mario 64 right and they're like oh we really like the way you have to choose choose your goal at the start of the level and like get stars in a bunch of different weird ways um because that is very much the design it's like get thrown into the level you have to find a mirror piece to actually beat the level 
um, and most of the level itself is involved like with flipping switches to have things move. But really, most of the level is involved in just kind of running from side to side. Yeah. This game is so unbelievably like eerily empty. Yes. <laughs> Why is it so empty? Yeah, it's like you're in a desert world and there's just like wide expanses of dunes and like dark stars up in the sky. And you're like, all right, if you're not going to pay the expenses to like put more environments in here, don't make your world so big. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, it's The, the fun. The fun detail I found like it was again, these games are hard to research because nobody cares but uh, uh, the, the little bit of information I was able to find thanks to a Monster High fan wiki is that uh, the, the studio ran out of budget, so they put all the girls' hair in ponytails so they wouldn't have to worry about uh, hair physics. That's, that's the level okay. that we're working with here. Yeah. No, this, this is one of those games that exists on a, like a different level in, in terms of like cheapness. Yeah. Um, that you just you don't encounter it very much. Um, and so I, I'm always a little tickled when you do. It almost um, feels like, uh, you know, those like debug levels that sometimes yes. like get leaked. It's like, hey, you want to you want to try an early like level of Mario where he's just running around in a big white void. You know, yep. that's kind of what this is. That's a good comparison. And I, I think the thing that you can really tell here, even if you're not like <clears throat> don't have experience with programming much, which I don't. But you can really tell that like. These models were not designed like the models were designed and the levels were designed and then they just dropped the model in the level. There's no yeah. way that they're designed to interact with each other. No. Most of the attacks in this game are just some kind of spin and you'll like spin kind of in the vicinity of an enemy and they'll just disappear. But there's no indication that they were hit by any sort of attack or react in any way. Yeah, they don't like move back or or make a noise or anything. They just kind of fade away. Yeah, it's like the level itself almost just exists as like you said like a graphical thing so you're not running around in a white void. But it, it the actual interactions um the characters have a wall jump and you can see like a pretty noticeable gap between their hands as they're sort of pushed up against the wall and the actual wall. Yeah, it's a few inches of white space there where they're clearly not holding on. It's this game. Like I said, like this is one of those rare treats where you're like, oh, I can't believe that this game actually got released to the public in the condition that it was in. Yeah, Um, because it is truly embarrassing. Um, It it feels. uh, Yeah, it feels very unfinished. Like it feels unstarted. Like yeah. it's it's that level of unfinished. It's crazy to think that they would have run out of budget because it's like, what did they what did they spend whatever budget they had on? Did was their initial budget like eight dollars? Yeah, it's just it's very odd. Um, it it's yeah, it's not a fun game by any stretch of the imagination, and it's not even really a fun bad game because no. most of the time you're just walking around these sort of empty voids of areas. Um, your character, the way they run is all, um, incredibly stiff, like their leg, their knees don't bend. And I assumed that like your first character, I'm like, oh, well, she's a Frankenstein. So maybe that's just the case, but nope, that's the case for how all of the characters run. Yeah. Um, and it looks terrible. I mean, it should be noted, you can switch between six different characters here, but, uh, you cannot tell the difference between any of them. They don't 
they don't operate differently or behave well, differently. It is all it's kind of like a Donkey Kong 64 where yeah. the majority of reason to switch between characters is there's pressure pads that only work with certain characters basically. Right. And it's like okay, they're not meaningfully different in any way, but I have to switch here to advance the game. Yeah. And like the Frankenstein lady, you can sort of um she has little sections where you can detach her hand and then like um run through it kind of like the uh secret agent clank sure. style when you detach him and like the fin lady can swim I, I don't know it's it's just sort of a sad weird depressing game um it did get the impression that you could have it there is a two player mode um which could be a weird thing to subject someone to <laughs> um, that's for the next video game party yeah, yeah figure out figure out something to do with that um but it's it's a I can't imagine any situation where you would recommend this game to someone. No, no. And we should say, like, we we understand that these games are being marketed towards very, very young kids. Like, but Mario is also marketed towards very young kids as well. And that is like there's a there's a, a world of difference between, you know, these two kind of games. Like, yeah, that's you, you can you can treat kids with a little bit more respect than this. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our last game today. That is Monster High New Ghoul in School. This was released November 27th, 2015, developed and published by Little Orbit, and it was also released on PS3, 360, Wii, 3DS, and PC. So wow. really the whole gimmick here behind this game is the ability to design your own character, which is something that comes pretty standard in 80% <laughs> of games. Sure. Like yeah. that's that's kind of the whole gimmick here is that you're not playing as one of the established monster high ghouls. You are playing as a new character that you get to design. So you get to choose your species and you have a good amount of variety to choose from species. You could be a vampire or a werewolf or a skeleton or a gargoyle but or again, a dragon. Like all of the body types are the same. Like exactly I was a gargoyle same. so I had like tiny little wings on the back yeah. or like if you're a dragon you have a little spiky tail. Um, or if you're a skeleton, you have skeleton legs, which are only about uh, half of the thickness of the <laughs> non-skeleton legs. Yeah, they're already uh, kind of skeletal in their build, yeah, you know. exactly. And so, like, this thing, which the ability to sort of design a monster girl should give you a lot of freedom and, like, weirdness of, like, all right, do you want to put the eye sort of offset on the side of the head? Um, but no, it's, it's none of that. They all just have one little differential and then you can pick between a couple set outfits and then a hair color. You really don't even get too many outfits or hair options, which I was surprised by. I feel like this game is all about fashion, you know, like you should, you should be giving me more than three options, you know, like, I don't know if you, I think you can unlock some later on, but I never really got to that point. Uh, basically this is, this is kind of just like a life simulator, uh, to the extent that you wander around the school, you talk to people, you join clubs. That's kind of all you do. And once you join a club, you get like fetch quests where you're like, okay, I need you to go talk to this monster in this classroom. I'll indicate it on your map. And so you walk right. over there. If so you want to take a little time to explore the grounds, you can. You can look for crystal spiders or locker combinations, a couple of little things that are hidden throughout Penance. the world. Penance, yeah. But... That's kind of the whole drive of the game. There aren't any bad guys. There isn't any like major overarching plot necessarily. I like the beginning of this game was so unbelievably slow and boring. Yeah. Um, again, 
not the target audience. I get that. I don't even like this style of game. If I am like, if it's not targeted at young girls, like yeah. this is just a style of game I find very boring. But I kept assuming I'm like, okay, I'm gonna push through these fest quests and meeting all of the clubs because there must be like a mini game. Like when you're, I'm assuming like when you like join the cheerleading club, like you have Excuse to like fear leading the fear leading. Yes. <laughs> Um, you have to do some kind of like rhythm button press mini game because that just seemed like it would be natural, like a DDR knockoff. And no, there's nothing like that. Literally, the first thing you do is like, okay, we can't find the dance steps. Go run over here so to the pool where the dance steps are hidden. Yeah. And, and again, it's just kind of another fetch quest. And your reward for the fetch quest is a lot of punny badly voice acted dialogue yeah um which is not which is really no reward at all it's really not you know you're you're gonna hear clossum used many times and there's just lots of introducing each other to other characters and they all have inexplicable international accents like i don't know why the creature from the black lagoon is australian yeah like i don't i i'm not super familiar with the mythology of that series but i'm pretty sure that it's not set in australia uh, I could be wrong about that, but and yeah, it's that same. It's the same weird thing that um, we talked about last week with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah, where because slightly you have, better game. Yes, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you on that. Um, <laughs> because you create your own character, they're essentially a blank slate, and they have no, they don't talk at all. No, and so you have all these other girls being like, "Oh, you're so great. You seem like such a good seat. Like, I'm glad that we get to be ghoul friends." or whatever and yeah. it's like why why do they want to hang out with this person this person doesn't talk at all and it's crazy because you like it's your first day of school and they're like you should join the student council and like have a voice in the direction of the school and you're like no no you shouldn't you've never been here before like yeah. why why do they care what you think about the school it's hmm. it's kind of like this is this is almost like a simulation of playing with dolls Except if you don't have any kind of imagination. Right. You know, if, like, if your joy of playing with dolls is miming them walking from the library to the garden to the classroom. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, I only wanna the only thing I want to do with my dolls is have them talk to each other and walk from place to place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I was just a weird kid or not, but when I was playing with action figures and dolls and stuff like that when I was little, like there would be stories, there'd be adventures. They were right. off doing stuff. My sister would bring her Barbies over and like they would have cross missions with my Ninja Turtles and they would like go on all these crazy adventures. Like it, there's none of that energy here. And I don't like I don't think I'm not saying like this game needs to have conflict and violence in it. No, but like, no. I think that it needs to have a sense of incident of like something to the, yeah. a mini game that is sort of replicating like having to do math problems or something. Well, I was going to be curious, like what happened when you actually go to the classroom and you'll go I in mean, the classroom and then like they just pan to the outside of the door and then the clock spins two hours. I mean, like it, there, it's kind of right there on the table for you. You get to join the fear leading squad, okay? So maybe this is like a like a rhythm action mini game, right? You know, when you when you're joining the squad, you're you're joining the student council. Maybe you get to have some impact on how the school is uh, uh, being run. You know, like there's there's really none of that. And the the other thing too is this is essentially like, you know, you would think that it's like building relationships with these different characters. 
but there's no dialogue trees like the they give you the option to say no to something but then it does that same bullshit thing of where the person will get mad at you and then you're just stuck giving the yes answer um but like and you're not even getting drama like i feel like you know if if we're if we're catering to like very stereotypical young girls or young teenage girls like you want some drama you want some conflict you don't want but every character just gets along and they're all pleasant and they like each other like you don't really get any kind of propulsive plotting here. Yeah, it's it's a very odd game where I felt like, okay, I know that I'm not the tem- target demographic for for this, but I have a really hard time believing that someone who is the target demographic for this would have any fun here because no. this game seems so divorced from the concept of fun. Like <laughs> I think that it is a much better technical game than the 13 wishes one. Oh yeah. Just I'm with because you it's so much less ambitious. Like, um, yeah. You're and only... that first game was not ambitious. No, but you're only walking around in the high school here. Um, and it's, but it's all on a super scripted path. And, but like, it's just, there's no incident here that you're like, Oh, this was a memorable thing that happened. Like no their gameplay is simply, walk from this classroom to this hallway and then back. Yeah. That's all you're dealing with. And that's the, I think we can do better. We can do yeah. better. We can, uh, young girls deserve better. <clears throat> and, uh, it, it's just, uh, it's bad. I don't like it. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to our rankings. Uh, each week we are ranking the show, the games that we have just played and putting them on our master list to decide where they're all going to shake out in the end. I'll start us off here. Uh, you know what? None of these are going to be my top tier, i got to say. I think the best of the games we played today was the first Ben 10 Omniverse. Yep. Uh, I think that one is going to go at number 91 for me. That's right underneath uh, Adventure Time, Finn and Jake Investigations, right above Mighty Number no. 9. Okay. Because uh, it, it's similar to those games. It's very unambitious, but it has a few sparks uh, of creativity that I can appreciate, and it wasn't actively unpleasant to play yep uh ben 10 omniverse 2 was actively unpleasant (laughs) to play and that is going at my number 114 that means it right below cabela dangerous hunts and right above spongebob uh famously bad little corridor games there yep uh monster high uh 13 wishes yeah this one's pretty disastrous um it's not quite of the i don't well i don't know i i think i think it is going to go Amongst the DreamWorks games that are uh, living down at the bottom of my list here. I think this is my new number 122, which is right above uh, Rodea the Sky Soldier, (laughs) right underneath Turbo. Yeah, Uh, Quite bad, and I'm going to put New Ghoul in School just above that because it is slightly more enjoyable to play while still being pretty terrible. Yeah, boy, it's... I, I started out more positive here playing the first Ben 10 game and like, all right, this is not bad. And then as I played each successive game, it just felt worse and worse. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty much with you. I think the best one we played was the first Ben 10 game, which I'm going to put um, right number 96, which is right under mighty number nine. Um, the second Ben 10 game was definitely worse. Um, I'm just going to, but I am just going to put it right under that first Ben 10 game just to keep it moving along. Sure. Um, I, I liked the 13 wishes monster high game more just in the sense that it had 
some drive to it. It it at least I could. It's a kind of game I understood, even though it was a terrible version of that. Yeah. Um. So those are going. Uh. Yeah, they'll go right under uh, game party championships one twenty two and one twenty three. Um, right ahead of a Crudes and Brunswick Pro Bowling. Just very very joyless games for me. Yeah, quite bad, quite bad. Oh boy, this was a this was a rough patch here, but uh, you know what? We made it through it. We'll never have to play these games again. And we have a couple of fun letters from listeners that uh, even include a few challenges for us. Hey guys, uh, I challenge you to play these games again. Do it. Oh shit! <laughs> this is kind of like that episode of Review where he has to eat all the pancakes. Yeah, yeah. Simple <laughs> simple request that is uh, utterly devastating. Uh, so this first letter says, "Hey Texas Steve and Washington Woody." Yep, that's what they call uh, us now. That's what they call us. Uh, I have to say, I've really been loving Steve's choices for the music at the end of every episode. Uh, given that Woody has said in the past that he doesn't listen back to the episodes, I was wondering if he was even aware of the music choices and their connections to the game that were played for that episode. Uh, I've collected 10 songs that I found to be particularly funny in their connection to the game that you played, and I made a little quiz. Ooh. I've attached the questions and answers for you to test Woody. Steve, you can play along if you want. It'll be more of a memory game for you. And pro tip, the questions go in order from most recent to uh, older ones. I hope Austin is treating okay. you well, Steve, and I look forward to you guys finishing the Wii U catalog strong. This is from Elliot K. So thank you, Elliot. Um, were you aware that I put music at the end of these episodes? I was aware that you put music at the end of the episodes, but I still don't re-listen to the episodes. So And that's th- fair. Like yeah. I, I've I've come to learn that in the space of podcasting, I'm actually a weirdo in that I do listen to the episodes. <laughs> but like that's not a common thing that people actually do. So. But I think that you deserve a pat on the back for feeling comfortable with your own voice. Uh, you know, exactly. Exactly. I think that's that's something. Let me uh let me find this quiz that he developed for us here. Because these are uh, these are pretty fun, and a lot of these were new to me as well. Uh, Even though you were the person who put them in, I did it. But you know, I've done a lot of these, that's so true. you know. All right, so uh, yeah, so for each of these, I try to either pick something that's either like either the title or the artist is going to be thematically associated with the episode that we played. Okay. So, uh, what episode do you think we use for "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus? Uh. Family Game Party 30 Great Games. That is correct. You got that one right. How about Party Hard by Andrew WK? Oh, um, Party Hard. I'm trying to think what other party games we played. Um, was Game Party Champions. Uh, this one was Mario Party 10. Ah, darn. Uh, Fitness by Lizzo. Uh, the We Your Shape You. Exactly right. Yeah, Your Shape and Zumba. <clears throat> um, Fortunate Son, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Ooh, Fortunate Son, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh, man. Did we play a game with Sun in the title? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I gotta give up. These are the Call of Duty games, because these ones were set uh, in, uh, in the Vietnam era. Yep, that makes sense. You gotta, it's that Forrest Gump needle drop. This one's pretty obvious. Genie in a Bottle, Christina Aguilera. Uh, Shantae. That is Shantae. It could have also been, uh, this person could have seen the future and known that what you were going to put on the back of this episode for the uh, <laughs> Monster High game. That could have worked too. Uh, how about Short People by Randy Newman? Oh, Short People Got No Reason to Live. Um, uh, Epic Mickey. 
<laughs> that would have been good too. This was Pikmin three. Ah, uh, yeah, makes okay. makes sense. Uh, Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. Uh, the Outer Wilds. <laughs> no, this is uh, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Interesting. So, Smash what, what? Mouth, Smash Brothers. Ah, uh, okay. Sometimes but it's the you artist. Didn't, you didn't go for All Star there. I did not go did... for All Star. No, no. But uh, how about uh, Surfing Bird by the Trash Men? Oh, bird. that that call that song is called Surfing Bird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I always yeah, like, assumed that that call song was called Bird is the Word. Yeah, he surfs. Um, I am gonna guess uh, Funky Barn, Angry Birds. Ah, Angry Birds on okay. that one. This next one I'm particularly proud of. Uh, Do I want to know by the Arctic Monkeys? Uh, Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, exactly. Oh, because they they they're Arctic, Arctic monkeys. monkeys. I was proud of that. Yeah. And then finally, Creep by TLC. Creep by TLC. Um, did we ever do an episode just about our personal lives? <laughs> no, we <Okay>. didn't. <laughs> um. Oh, uh. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Blacklist. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. That was that's a good one. I like it. All right. Well, thank it's you. good. To, it's good to know that you're doing good work carrying this podcast, Steve. Hey, hey, good it's... to know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm glad people enjoy those. I always have fun picking those out. So, <clears throat> so thank you, Elliot, for sending that quiz. And we have one last letter here, and this is from uh, a, a person who was supposed to be on this episode and couldn't make it. She sends her regards. Uh, this says, "Hi, Stephen Woody." I grew up around the time they really started making a lot of games for girls, and they were all terrible. Uh, They were mostly an assortment of mini-games or just bad fashion games. Either way, girl games have always been incredibly low stakes if they have any stakes at all. So I decided to ask you, two men in their 30s, (laughs) how would you make a good game for girls? And that is from Ailish Collins, who sends her regards. She wasn't able to be here. Mm, That's good. I'll add them to my Mm. collection of regards. Yes. Oh, yeah. You got to collect them. I I just cleaned out all my old ones from my top drawer so I could use some fresh ones. Um, I mean, that is a very timely question. And I think that that was what we just kind of hit on here with uh, Monster High, New Ghoul in School is a total lack of incident. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, like, does, does a game need to be targeted for girls like is something like mario i think mario is that is that good comparison um targeted at boys specifically that's the thing like i i i think we we should be aspiring to just do away with gendered games entirely excuse me but there that is acknowledging that there are properties that appeal more to girls and some properties that appeal more to boys that's fair but like if you look at the demographics, like female gamers, the thing that they play the most, the two genres that they play the most are puzzle games and RPGs. And those are things that can appeal to everyone across the board. And I think that's kind of what you need to do. Implement some RPG mechanics, implement a feeling that your character is growing and getting stronger and getting better. And that there's some kind of stakes. Exactly. I think stakes is a good word. Like there's some kind of stakes or some kind of incident to drive you through the game. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that Ailish is totally right that um, 
w- games that were around that time that came out like early 2000s that came out and were specifically designed for girls tended to be pretty throwaway because that was used as an excuse to not put more stuff in there. Um, whereas now there's just such a bigger variety of stuff, um, simulation and like, I really feel like Nintendo, you know, this is a Nintendo podcast and Nintendo does a, a pretty good job. Like, you know, Animal Crossing is one of their major franchises. Um, Zelda, Pokemon, like all of these things don't feel gendered to me. Yeah. I, I think mostly it's just like a lot of, there needs to be a lot of growth still in in the gaming community like i think that's that's where the real issues come from is like it's like a systemic belief that like video games are fundamentally for boys and so if we want to make one for girls we need to dumb down everything that people like about video games right and so i think there's also plenty of girls out there who would you know have a have a lot of interest in playing halo and call of duty and it's just oh, a less it's a less pleasant experience for them because if you go online and are a girl you're gonna get hassled absolutely and it's just like well maybe there's nothing about this game content that's the problem it's just like let's build a better community let's not be assholes that's that's just, really the takeaway of our podcast and anything that we try to do. It's don't be an asshole. Yeah, just stop. That's how we fix video games. Just stop being an asshole, everybody. Stop it. You, stop it. You know who I'm talking to. Stop it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for writing in, and thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find us at Ultra 64 Podcast on all the different social medias. Uh, next week, we've got uh, games of, I think, probably some higher quality. Well, I, uh, I would hope so, because we are playing... Uh, a big, high-profile Wii U exclusive, at least at the time. We're playing Bayonetta 2. Ooh. Bayonetta 2. And actually, technically, we're also going to play Bayonetta 1 because Bayonetta 1 is included in that same box, so there is a Wii U version of Bayonetta. So I'm, we're, we're going to play some Bayonetta games. Okay. So uh, go team. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I really relate to those series because, uh, like Bayonetta, I have glasses and I'm covered in hair. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Those are her defining traits. Those are her defining traits. All right, everybody, we will see you next week for Bayonetta. Goodbye. And we drive.